What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Nolan. We have another great show for you, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Guys, we took a week off, catched our breath a little bit, had a full year of podcasting ahead of us. What are our takes so far going into the new year? We have the MLS on the home front right now, absolutely stockpiling some talent, you know, relatively a little older talent as usual. But Bale makes his way back to that, or makes his way to MLS. Chiellini, Shakiri, Insigne, Insigne. Uh, Hector Herrera. We know, guys, we're, we're 52 episodes of this already. We, we understand. Well, I can't do this. <laughs> terrible announcing. <laughs> I just want to keep this running at this point and just let you <laughs> pronounce names. Just <laughs> I'm gonna make some shit up one day. So you can <laughs> I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> I hate you guys. Um, where do you guys? I think I named all the big ones. There might be one or two that I might have missed. Um, in terms of MLS, where do you guys think these kind of stack up in some of the other transfers, like Ebro, you know, Beckham, Pirlo, Henri? I mean, I think those guys that you just mentioned are definitely paved the way for some of these mega stars to be coming now and make no mistake of it. They are currently mega stars. Like any team in the world, for the most part, would want a Cellini, would want a Bale, would have to be happy to have them on the bench to help play a leadership role or play a squad rotational role for any of these major clubs. They probably could get another two or three years out of some of the best teams in Europe, if you really put it out there. Um, so I think it signifies a lot about the league, the teams, their ambitions and where they're at, um, especially with all this money, I guess you can even say coming in from the Apple deal already that they just signed. I mean, it seems like the MLS is here to stay and play around. And, you know, for some of these players, I know a lot of them love being in America as Europeans. They love kind of traveling the country, seeing the, what the country has to offer. So I think it's a win-win, honestly. And for, I guess, certain players like one Gareth Bale, he gets a lot of good golf time on the West Coast. So a lot of good plenty of good LA courses shit. out there. Yeah, the LA courses are terrible. You got to come down to San Diego and hang out for a bit. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it shows a lot of ambition from the league and the teams in general. So I I honestly applaud these teams for going after them as hard as they did because I'm sure they are being courted by other major European teams as well. So yeah, I'm, it's like it, it was cool when David Beckham came over, right? Like it was, that was obviously the biggest one in recent memory for sure. Um, but, you know, that's twilight of career. They were doing it for financial reasons. I mean, he, he came over because the MLS put in his contract that if he played in the MLS, they would, he would get a discounted rate when he bought his own club, which is how he ended up with Inter-Miami for such a cheap price. But now we're seeing, to Mike's point, these guys come over that could still play at a high level. I mean, Ibrahimovic came over to play for the Galaxy and then went and won Serie A out in Milan as one of the most important players. <laughs> so, like, it, it's we, – we are getting – we're getting the talent – albeit still of aging older players who are at the end of their career, but we're getting them slightly earlier now where they still have a little bit more to give in the tank rather than just the retirement years that they have, which is always great to see that we're, you know, getting a little bit more than just the, the bare minimum. So uh, hopefully it just keeps going like that and it keeps improving over time. One step at a time. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Even these guys, I mean, I mean, MLS definitely had a knock on it for a retirement league for a very long time, but even when these guys came over, they were still ridiculously, creative and pad this pad the stat sheet up it's not like they came over and just like retired here and they're like hey like i think i'm just gonna kick the ball around a few times and get paid 
Like, I mean, uh, like Ebro opened up his scoring account with what, like a like a scissor kick volley from Patrick. Elf- I mean, you could you could see the quality, like be like they're light years beyond most. Oh yes, like light yeah, years, it's nuts. not even close. Yeah, they might not be able to run, but they can make anyone look stupid. <laughs> yeah, fair, very fair. Um, where do you guys think, out of curiosity, though, all these big name signs coming here? Is this something like will this bring enough notice to the league or get the league going enough? Like the fans kind of wanted to to ever compete on a level. I mean, I'm not going to say they, they they're anywhere close to competing on a level with Europe right now, but it's obviously moving in the right direction. Is big name signs just enough though? I still think the major key to the success in soccer today, and this might be a hotly debated topic, is the idea of the promotion and relegation, right? And I think as long as the MLS doesn't have that, it takes away from the authenticity, I guess you could say of like having those make or break games and you have to perform week in, week out, right? Because ultimately, you know, like as a team and as players and as a head coach or even as a GM that you're not going to go down, you don't have to worry about the finances and you still have money to come behind and, you know, spend if you need to, to get yourself in a better position. So I think from that aspect, they're lacking, but ultimately with what they're doing with the TV rights, what they're doing with the expansion of even more teams. It seems like every year they're adding a new city or two that comes into the league. Um, it's, it's encouraging to say the least. Like it really shows that they are putting a thoughtful front foot on how they want to grow the game. Um, I would just like them to see, especially with a lot of the USL teams they have in place today, a little bit more integration with those potentially um, as like that type of promotion, that type of relegation, if the teams are, have the ability and the capability to do that. So yeah, that was the biggest knock on the Super League, if you guys remember, right? It was, it was that it was a closed-off league, or maybe, what, like, three teams could get relegated or something? Yeah, but like the original 12 couldn't be relegated. Yeah, so, I mean, that was one of the biggest knocks on it. And then, like, you look at MLS, and, yeah, it's a closed league. You you know, you get these USL teams that are, like, financially capable eventually, or, like, they're given some type of pass to come up. And, like, yeah, that happens, but... Yeah, I think it's an American American problem. Um, for me, one thing that has to change in order for the MLS to take the next step is doing away with the designation rule, yeah. right? or dubbed the, the Beckham rule. For anyone who doesn't know, it essentially says that any club is only allowed to sign three foreign players outside of their salary cap. Yep, which puts a, a real stranglehold on the amount of talent like you're going to be able to bring over because no one's going to come over from Europe for less money like that. You know what I mean? Um, and it just doesn't seem practical, but we're, this is America. It's, it's not Europe. We, the fans here don't have the same type of loyalty to their teams when they're not performing. I mean, look what happened with the LA Rams and LA chargers. Like they, they weren't there. They moved teams out of a state or out of a, a city they've been in for decades, just because they, the fans gave away because they weren't performing. And that's the problem with the MLS. Like if, if you have this promotion relegation, the, the fear is that teams that go down, are going to fold or no one's going to go to those games. You know what I mean? It's, it's just how it goes when in Europe, that's not the case. Look at Nottingham Forest, look at Leeds United, look at all these teams that are in the championship. Um, and maybe that's because we have a lot of sports in this country compared to other ones. But the fact of the matter is um, you really want this sport to grow. You need to do away with that salary cap mechanism still institute financial fair play. You can't overspend, but you have to be able to bring these star players in for what they're worth because you're not going to attract them until the end of their career. Otherwise, Interesting. Do you thought kind of a good point where you just brought up is also drawing in fans? Like the nearest MLS for me is an hour away. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have a local team that I could just go down to. Like I don't have a brick FC or something like that for for me to go watch every every Sunday and stuff. So it's like 
but at the same time, I mean, USA land size compared to just 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 take the UK for instance, much larger. Yeah. Like yeah. how like logistically, can you really have like a neighborhood team? Otherwise, I mean, you have to have what twenty a twenty league pyramid, right? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't think neighborhood teams are the way to go. But by that means, I'm, I'm more so saying like if you if you were to institute at this moment in time, and I think this is why it hasn't been done yet. If you were to institute relegation and promotion, you take those 30 something teams that we have right now and you make it a 20 man league, that league underneath the MLS, half those fans are gone out out of the game. You're gone. So you lose so much of the momentum. I think the MLS is at a critical point where it's, you're just starting to see like the compounded effect of the love of the game and it's starting to drastically rise. But I think it's just still a little bit too soon to do that because Let's face it, American fans are fair weather fans. There's a lot of bandwagon fans in the United States. You don't get that in Europe as much. And I think you're going to lose a large portion of that if you were to institute the promotional location right now. Maybe I'd in be, like 10 years. I'd be curious to say, speaking of that, what they do after the World Cup and how they capitalize once the World Cup is in the United States with all the momentum, all the marketing, everything that they're able to promote internally for like the growth of the domestic league. Yeah. Um, I, think be be, I, I think that would be a massive, massive pivotal point yeah. for them. 2030 uh, is when I could see something happening. The 2020, it's on the rise. The, the interest is on the rise nonstop. It's clear to see across the entire, entire country. Everyone, I remember, you guys remember like when we were in like high school or middle school or, or even in college, you would talk about soccer and almost no one would know anything about it any of the European players, any of the clubs, what was going on, relegation promotion, how it all worked. You can go on the street right now and talk to anybody. And I would say 50% of them are going to know what's going on. Like it, it's consistently growing. I just think that the world cup is going to propel that to a state where you can do these other things that we talk about day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get shit on for liking soccer, get called the foot fairy and a bunch of other exactly. like, like, And that's not the case anymore. You can walk down the street and you see people rocking soccer kits, you know what I mean? Or football kits, whatever you want to call them. But like, it's, it's, I still think we're slightly too soon to be talking about things like that. And I think that's why the commission hasn't done it yet. But at a certain point though, too, like we, we just said, like they have 30, 30 plus clubs almost at this point, they just keep expanding. How do you limit it to just 20? Like you have to gradually go down. Like they're almost getting too big for the fact that you can get a promotion relegation system going. I think what's going to have to happen is Europe has the unique ability to sign players from all across the continent because Truthfully, the continent of Western Western Europe is smaller than continental United States, basically, you know, so you're able to pull these players in from all over the place for, for it to work in the MLS. I think you have to start outsourcing to the Latin America, the Central American countries, the, the countries that have this wealth of talent, but don't have the ability to go to Europe yet because they're not quite there, but they can get paid better and be in America to play soccer in an environment that is probably more beneficial to them. And that is the, t- the type of things they can be targeting. Would include it would increase the overall quality everywhere too, and allow those lower divisions to still maintain their fans because they're getting attractive football week in week out. I mean, that's the case literally with it when Atlanta United, for just off the top of my head, with Joseph Martinez, with Miguel exactly. Amaron, who have made those drastic jumps and helped those teams out. And I'm sure there's others who I'm missing as well, right? But yeah. players like that who come through those Latin American countries and make a major impact, and then can even mm-hmm. see themselves get moved onto other teams. Yeah in the Premier League, if that's their ambition. So I, I totally agree with that. They should definitely be looking to outsource that or subsidize in some type of way, bringing in talent from those countries to help grow the game and a lot. Yeah. 
at a much in the same way similarly to Europe does that with other countries. Exactly. I, I look at a country like like uh, Denmark, for instance, right? They have club football in their country. It's just decent, it's decent football, but the best players in that country go to the top five leagues. That's the way it works. We should be adopting the same approach, but doing it in CONCACAF and CONCACAF. Let the top, top, top players go to Europe. Obviously, that's going to happen. It's inevitable. But outside of those generational players for those countries, there's a lot of talent that you can get, a lot of talent. I feel like they're already doing that though. Cause when we, when we were going through like qualifying and even just the, um, the nation's league just recently, like there were a lot of MLS players yeah. on some of these teams. Yeah. Um, maybe it's got to do a little bit better rebranding of it and stuff, but I, that's what I think, I think the stigma is still there. I think that's what that has to be overcome. Not that, not that they're not trying to do it, but it's still always oh, the MLS. I might as well stay in Mexico and play for, for Chivas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like especially that, that has to be overcome for it to work. Especially when the majority of the time, too, and this is a separate note, but the Mexican teams like Chivas or like Monterey or Club America are consistently beating MLS teams exactly. in the Cotton Bowl or in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League yeah. or whatever they call it. So until that point, why would you go anywhere else to do? Well, look, that's, 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 debatable, that's debatably the better league. Yeah, it is the better league. Yeah. We won our first Champions League title in CONCACAF this year. <laughs> So maybe that's that you can look at that two ways. Wow, we sucked previously, or things are really on the upward tick, and it, it's starting to get to that point. So I think we're, I think it's all moving in the right direction. It just could be a combination. It takes time. What's that? Could be a combination of both. We yeah, suck probably, probably is. and it's turning around. I, I fucking rubbed the magic genie lamp and uh, <laughs> I made, my, made my wish. It took all three I mean, wishes but still. <laughs> obviously, the Concacaf Champions League will never be up to UEFA, or at least not for the next 20, 30, 40 no. years. But if you can find a more glorified competition for the Western Hemisphere, that could also at the same time make it that it's you're going to see more you're going to see much bigger names stay on this side of the uh, Atlantic. Yes, definitely. I think eventually this is a bold prediction, and I hope I'm alive long enough to see it. I think eventually the MLS will become the dominant force of soccer in the world. No. Uh, eventually there's I too love much money to be thrown around there's more billionaires and in, in this company there, there is eventually it will happen and it'll be a china except without rules no there there is a lot of money here but i think the allure of playing champions league football is just something that no, no at least no european up. no european yeah. is going to pass up to come get paid out the wazoo especially when wazoo? psg and city are paying yeah. that already yeah that's ridiculous <laughs> That's so that's and soon to be other teams, let's be honest. So yeah. and also you're seeing more American <laughs> ownership. You're seeing more American ownership now too in different leagues and in different uh teams. So it's not like that won't be happening. I think it's only a matter of time to all those European countries <clears throat> top European owned by <laughs> countries. No, I think it's only a matter of time until all the top European teams are really owned by like these incredibly affluent individuals. Like, I mean, most people don't realize it, but like RB Leipzig is owned by one of the wealthiest people in the world. Like, well, it's in- owned by a company. It's not even a- exactly. <laughs> well, let's say yeah, but someone owns a company. Yeah, that's true. It's going to get to that point where you're going to have Roman Abramoviches and PSGs in almost every club. Yeah, well, that's the way it is, unfortunately. Money talks, money talks. Let's head over. Um, we, we saw a pretty interesting thing over on Twitter, a little thread and uh, and photo. 
worst piece of transfer business ever done. Curious on your guys' take on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off real quick. Mine being a Chelsea fan has to be. I do this one. This one still shocks me to this day. I have no idea why this came apart. And there are some dreadful Chelsea transfers on that list. For me, it's Danny Drinkwater. The reason why you spent forty million dollars on the guy, basically just to meet our quota for English players on the squad. Twelve appearances in five years, one goal, one DUI, numerous injuries, <laughs> and loan spells. I, I'm just saying. Time. I think I, I think forty million can be spent a little bit better. Yeah. My, my my favorite part about that transfer is when he left this year. And um, I guess Chelsea put out like a farewell tweet or something. Great. Yeah, he, he like responded to the tweet saying he left the club. And he's like, thank you for everything. And we're like, what did you do? You didn't even do anything. <laughs> what do you mean thank you? Thank you for $40 million over the course of this contract. He was always a preseason all-star, though. I will give him that. He, he used to turn up in those matches to get it, to get his loan spell in. That was a guy who saw the money flashed at him and was like, I'm going to party so hard with this money. I don't give a shit. Like, I did my goal. Like, this guy's entire goal was to make enough mo- – was to get to a club like Chelsea, make the money so he can just retire and party for the next five years. Respect. Yeah, and, pe- and people forget, though, too, like, when Leicester won the ch- – when the uh, when the Premier League, part. him and Conte he was one of the best players like, in the league. Yeah, he was a they, big they part of He was fantastic. Yeah. Also, for background on anybody listening, this is all because of the Lukaku – Failed transfer, another Chelsea failed transfer. But <laughs> that one's too sensitive to talk about, still. So I didn't, I didn't want to make that my worst one. Drink water. We've been over for a very long time already. <laughs> Moving on, my my transfer policy or my transfer that I would love to call out is probably one of the worst, if not the worst of all time. The Philippe Coutinho to Barcelona transfer, hundred thirty five mil, and then beyond that, what was it in twenty eighteen that transfer took place, right? And from there, so. he had somewhere in that 76 appearances, so a good amount of appearances, 51 starts, four years he spent playing at Barcelona, only to get 17 goals and nine assists. And then the real kicker is that when Barcelona loaned him out to Bayern Munich, his Bayern Munich team helped beat Barcelona to win the Champions League. What a kick in the balls. <laughs> I think they whooped their ass, too. Didn't it? Yeah, like they like whipped, or something? yeah, they like beat them down. It's like, embarrassing. Yeah, like really beat them out. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's got to be up there as one of the worst $135 million ever, if not spent by a team. And then only and, not only done that, but then they send him back to Aston Villa for reported $20 million. That's That's so they got that. I don't even think they got that much for him. It's, it's horrendous. <laughs> on, on top of that, too, Liverpool, what they turned it into, like you were saying pre-podcast, uh, Allison and um, Virgil van Dijk. Van Dijk. Plus extra money. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's up there. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, for comedic purposes, and also pretty true, is Harry Maguire. I mean, I don't think I have to say too much about that, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think that that transfer pretty much speaks for itself. Um, if Barcelona really do make a swap deal, including him and Frankie de Jong, that will go down as my number one worst transfer <laughs> of all time. But... <laughs> but Realistically, and this pains me to say as a Chelsea supporter, um, but it has to be Eden Hazard for me. $130 million to make 60 appearances over three years and only score six goals. And to boot, when they won the Champions League this year, Real Madrid had to pay Chelsea an additional $20 million because he won the Champions League, technically. Like you're talking about a guy, you're talking about 140 to 150 million dollars for a guy who's pretty much scored six goals. That's 
that's worse than Philip Coutinho to me, at least. Um, that's I mean, bad. yeah, that's, that's really bad. <laughs> that's that's horrific. Great work by Chelsea on that one, but Jesus, <laughs> Chelsea do a great job of I, selling, they, not buying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> selling, not buying. Yeah. Props and to yeah. Lester, though. We, we brought him up twice right there. You got the drink water one. You got the uh, Harry Maguire one. There's this is quite a good. They've done some good business. They, they, yeah, they talk bring about best pieces of business. Yeah. Any other standout in particular that you that you could think of on that list? I mean, everything Chelsea's done. Be a big one. Big money. Sorry. Go ahead. Was it now Dembele to uh, from Dortmund to to uh, Barcelona is another big one for me. He done pretty much not really anything there, and it's going to be sold anyway this year. Um, Kepa, obviously. Shevchenko back in the day. Damn, dude. Chelsea, uh, every, every big money signing Chelsea has made, basically. I kind of want to rip on Paul Pogba a little bit from Manu both yeah. times, both times, letting him go for free. Like idiots, absolute idiots. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. <laughs> I mean, talk about Manchester United. You have to talk about Alexi Sanchez transfer from Arsenal. Oh, that was a that was horrific, a horrific time, and it didn't get any better when he went to Inter either. Potentially um, a Sancho situation coming up too. Who knows? Yeah, Alvaro Morata, all nine of his transfers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're like the same teams constantly too. Like Juve to Atletico, back to Chelsea to Juve. Like what? That dude has made a career of doing nothing at all the biggest clubs in the world. <laughs> like... Listen, bro, it's respect. Get that bag. There's a couple out there. What's up? I said there was a couple out there in recent memory that have been just really, really bad. Nicholas Pepe is a horrific transfer. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. Oh, no. did, yeah. they, did, they get, did they get rid of him actually yet or no? I don't, I don't I know. Supposedly they want to. Left. Not yet. Not yet. I know, I know he was on their, their target list to, to offload this summer. Yeah, who? A woodland buyer. The MLS there. <laughs> Um, let's, let's, head, let's head over to our Stars and Stripes section where we talk about the United States men's national team players from across the globe. Um, biggest thing we got going on here, a little bit of uh, goalkeeper controversy. Turner is officially to Arsenal. Uh, I think he made his move uh, sometime earlier this week. Yeah, it was earlier this week. Yeah. And um, Stefan, big news for him, looking for a loan. The top club of note looks to be Middlesbrough. Be first team game time. Now, granted, will be their championship, championship side. If I remember correctly, championship. Right? yeah, championship. So let me take it as you will. It's regular game time, and that seems to be what Greg is all about. Now Horvath and Turner are going to be riding the bench. Well, here's an interesting, interesting thought. Imagine Nottingham Forest makes a play for Stefan. And when I honestly first the read the tweet from Fabrizio Romano, I Ooh. almost misread it and thought it said Nottingham Forest, and I was like. What? Why would they bid twice? Imagine that. that? Yeah. <laughs> like we're stuck in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> then they hijack Turner's move. All three. Yeah. What do you? What do you I mean, what do you guys think of that? I, I actually personally like it. Stefan, the biggest criticism from him has been over the last couple of years is like, hey man, like you're good, but you need to go get regular time. I mean, even though it's a level below, would you like to see a move to maybe a lower Premier League squad or like a mid mid table team? I think, I think he probably could have gone to a lower Premier League squad. Honestly, I think a, a team would have taken him up on loan. Um, but you know, I mean, that's 
obviously for each team is different. I think he probably could have made another stint in Germany. I think he would have been good in Germany doing that. So he's 27 years old. Anything is he really ready? He's 27 years old. Wow. Any loan for him at this point is a mistake in my opinion. He's, he needs a permanent transfer to a place where he's going to play. And it's not in lower divisions. There's not enough. There's no time for him anymore to try to make his mark. He needs, he needs playing time and he's continue to develop and, and really come into his own because He's not 22, 23, 24, right? He, he doesn't have time to develop that that level of time anymore. Mm. Goalkeeper he needs to play, and he needs to play at a side now. that's going to challenge him, and it's not going to happen in the championship. Not the championship's bad, obviously, but yeah. you're talking about a guy who backs up for City. Like, On top of that, too, and this is something to think about, obviously, if he goes to another, to Vito's point, he would need to get playing time, and it's not like there aren't quality keepers behind him because that's the one position where the USA historically, and even to this day, is stockpiled with Turner, with Horvath, with Selena coming in the wings, who's going to be apparently going to interest to Chelsea or Real Madrid. So it's not like he can, to his point, sit and wait on his laurels and just hope that he gets playing time eventually over Ederson. So I think that should be the right move to go permanent, but, you know. He could be a good signing for Leeds. Melier is a good keeper, though. I don't think they would. Yeah, but yeah, I think he's probably one of the top, top young guys in the world, actually. <laughs> yeah, Melia, Melia is a good keeper. I don't think that he would start. It wasn't for him, they're relegated. Um, some other news, though. Reynolds on loan to Belgium, option to buy. Uh, so he's leaving Roma again. Pepe scores for Augsburg. Woo woo. Hallelujah. The, revi- the revival might be on. Hype train. <laughs> is he the best striker in the world right now? <laughs> <laughs> he might be. He might be. Um, here's a, here's a big talking point, actually links to Chelsea signing Rafinha and Raheem Sterling is Pulisic on his way out. Of Chelsea? Yes. hundred percent already has interest from Juventus as a make weight for Matthias Delic. Um, I mean, that makes sense to me. They, they, they want Jorginho. They probably want Ziyech most likely, uh, even though Inter is in form right now. But they really see Christian Pulisic as an option at Juventus, and I wouldn't be surprised to link up with McKenney. You'll probably get him at a cheap price. His market value is not as high as when Chelsea signed him, and he still has quality to give. I think in a less – I don't know about less physical league in, in Serie A, but compared to the Premier League, yes, um, I think he would thrive. I, I think Bowley, Bailey, whatever you pronounce his name, I feel like Steve, won't let him out the door at this not point. As an, Ameri- yeah, that, Bowley, as an American owner, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think he, I think he's very high on the list for a move. Yeah, I think, it, especially what, the Sterling rumors are really true, and it's, it's going to come to fruition. Two wingers coming yeah. in. I mean, that's that can't be that can't be a good sign for him and his playing time. Because what's he going to do? Play right wing back or left wing back at this point? He's not. He's not going to do that. I mean, can't, I've, been, I can't. I've been saying it for for since he made the Chelsea swap. The guy doesn't score goals. He's a fantastic player. He's an unbelievable player. I love him to death but he doesn't score goals. So when you go to a club, the caliber of Chelsea, and you're a winger, you need to score, period. And he, he doesn't know how to shoot. Do you think That's he's gotten a fair it. shot, though, at Chelsea? Between all the managers, the way he's been utilized, and the I lack so. of consistent game time. I think so. I think even when he had, was getting consistent game time because there were spurs where he was getting the run-ins week in, week out. And that's he usually when he was playing well, though. Yeah, but he what he Christian Pulisic does not is not the model of consistency. Like, oh, no he, he might score nine goals in a season, but he might score two hat tricks. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's you don't you don't get the same Christian Pulisic week in week out, and I think that's 
part of the problem and, and why he's being thought of as, as offloaded. I mean, Mason Mount doesn't score a whole lot of goals, but he puts in a consistent, solid performance every time he's on the field. And they remind me of a little bit of similar players, obviously different positions, but I think the consistency is a concern. Interesting. Okay. Just curious. Um, we got some striker moves potentially too. Jordan Pifolk uh, looks to be moving to Union Berlin. If I remember correctly, I think they're actually in Europa League as well, so they'll be getting uh, some European game time. That's, um, great, that's a great. That's a great move for him. Great move. So. Union Berlin came out of nowhere with that run last year in the Bundesliga. They they are in Europe, right? I'm not mistaken. I I thought I'm pretty sure. I think they finished fifth. Yeah, they finished fifth. Yeah. So they're. I mean, they were only one point away for qual. Well, two points away from qualifying for Champions League. They finished wow, one point pretty- behind Leipzig. Holy crap! Yeah, and they and like, which is it's astonishing. Two, three years ago. What's up? They just got promoted like two or three years ago. Too, two or right? three years ago. They finished They finished seventh in 2020. They finished fifth last year. And in 2019, they finished 11th. Yeah. So like that is a club on the rise, making the right moves. I think it's a great signing for them. I agree. I mean, it's fantastic. Step up in a league, good challenge. I think the, probably the way they play. I'm not going to act like I've watched a bunch of Union Berlin, but I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming <laughs> – I'm assuming that he's going to fit that system. They wouldn't bring him in just because. So, You would hope so, at least. Um, another striker, United States men's national team striker, um, Haji Wright, potentially going to, I don't know, help me out on this one, Vito, is it Spezia or Spezia? Spezia. <laughs> oh, got <laughs> you. Got it. <laughs> I, I didn't even look at what you wrote. I just heard what you said. Like, That's probably this. <laughs> <laughs> I speak or, um, now. Or whole city. I mean, thoughts on this one? Kind of like the uh, people a lot better. Any any move to a team, either of those? I mean, Spezia to me is, I think, a step behind Hull City. I think I think Haji's gonna would fare a little bit better with the more physical league in, in Hull with Hull City. But I, I think either of those teams is a step up to what he's doing right now, and I think would help him develop and get more visibility as well. Um, so. I don't. I don't particularly have one over the other, but I, I'd like to see him on the move. It seems. It seems like he's definitely on the move. It's just a matter of where at this point. Um, so he kind of wants a little bit more step up in competition. So, I, I I agree. I think I think Hull City would be a little bit better for him. But again, being also in Syria, a little bit more notable at the same time. Then, uh, last one I kind of want to touch upon Chris Richards. He's been scouted quite quite a few teams all over the globe, actually. Uh, Crystal Palace, he was linked to in the Premier League. A lot of league uh, teams are now scouting him as well. Looks to be on his way out of Byron's. I think he moved back there when? Uh, 2019, give or take. I'm not exactly sure what year that he's was. Been on lo- he's been on loan quite a few times. Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim yeah. yeah. So it'd be nice to see him actually, like, like we were kind of talking about Stefan, going to a team and like staying there as a permanent transfer and being the starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think so, if he went to Crystal Palace, I mean, I think that would be a long shot. That. But I would, I would absolutely love it. Are you kidding me? For him to be working under Patrick Vieira and be able to really develop his game and learn from Mark Gahey as one of the England's best center, young center backs. I think it'd be a great combo too. No, it'd be, Both it'd guys be, got I'm, pace, aggressive, physical. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that'd be a fantastic fit. But I don't know if they're going to pony up the cash and say, Crystal Palace on a side note, we'll get to them. They're spending some good money on some good players too this offseason so i feel you 
All right, well, let's head over to the Premier League real quick. Just kind of go over some of the uh, teams and what they've been doing and all that stuff. So, um, anyone, you, any guys you want to touch upon right away or kind of just go down in order? Go for it. Uh, Bournemouth released Gary Cahill. They also brought in Ryan Fredericks from West Ham, Joe Rothwell uh, from Blackburn. Nothing too crazy there. Uh, Arsenal, who they brought in, Matt Turner, uh, Fabio Vieira from Porto. I I forget who that is, honestly. Fabio Vieira is dirty. Right? I'm not trying to remember. He's really, really good. You talk to any other Arsenal fan, and he's the second coming of Bernardo Silva. So Yeah. (laughs) Great vision. Likes likes the I mean the his his passing range is unbelievable. He can, he can pick out a pass like I mean not Ozil level passing obviously, but um he's he's a really good signing for them. He's gonna link that attack and midfield and defense very very smoothly. Um, isn't that Odegaard's position though? Is he just depth for Odegaard? Odegaard likes to stay a, stay a, a little forward more. He mm-hmm. likes to be in those those attacking pockets. Um, I think Fabio uh, likes to sit back a little bit a little bit further. Not likes to, but where he played for Porto. Yeah, and it's also it's not put in there too, but they also signed Jesus. Or essentially, they they signed. Well, essentially, yeah. yeah. Essentially, yeah. It's not. I don't want to name it. it wasn't official yet, but that that I think it's a great move for them too. Um, Lacazette's out. I mean, that's pretty much the biggest name if you want to consider a big name after his last season. Mm. Um, Villa did some really good transfer work early on. Coutinho, uh, Camara, Diego Carlos. I feel they smashed it again, but they also did the same thing last year and didn't end up panning out for them. So it'd be kind of fun to see how that goes. Uh, Brentford, not really too much. Brighton. I mean, they lost Yves Basuma, which was big. That was I a big, big biggest one right there. That, that's a big loss for yeah. them. Um, I mean, ideally, they bring in a striker. Like, again, love Neil Malpe, love the shithousery that he provides in the Premier League in general and just riling people up. But they can't be relying on him and an old Danny Welbeck. They got to bring somebody in, especially with the Ben White money, with the used Basuma money. That's that's where they got to focus. Agreed. Uh, Chelsea Exodus is just continuing. Rudiger was first to Real Madrid. Christensen was technically released, but linked with Barcelona pretty heavily. Seems to be where it's going to go. Uh, I don't see that list staying that much smaller for much longer either. I think it's going to be a very, very big turnover this year mm-hmm. uh, for the men in blue. Crystal Palace... Mike, I know you said you touched upon them, who they were, what kind of business they were doing. I don't have too much on them. Yeah, they signed a young English, uh, young English kid, and I can't remember his exact name. I think it's what is it, Malcolm? Malcolm Yeah, he's he's supposed to be the real deal. Um, and they seem to be doing that in terms of like the players they're signing in general and getting young English talent like him, Alisi, uh, Eze. Um, actually, is Alisi even English or is he technically French? I don't know. Anyway, um, they seem to be building a young core and they're kind of going exactly after a specific type of player that they want. I think they're targeted or working on another player named Decore um, in the French leagues as like a center defensive mid. And, you know, also again, hypothetically looking at Chris Richards, they're building out for a specific type of team and a specific type of player. So it should be good. Everton, not really too much going on there. Fulham, not really much in, but um, their biggest loss obviously was Fabio uh, Cavallo over to Liverpool. He was the big, one of the biggest playmakers last year, but we'll see. They still got Mitro, uh, Mitrovic, right? So hopefully they get another 15, 20 goal performance out of him for the year, right? Keep them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Leeds, Brendan Aronson, probably the top one right there. Uh, also Mark Roca from uh, Bayern. 
Leicester, not too much going on there. Liverpool, it's kind of named um, Carvalho, but they also obviously the biggest one, Darwin Nunez. Uh, what was the what was the actual uh, final sum for that one? About a hundred. Was it really that much? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And they lost Sadio Mane, or they got 35, 40 mil for him, which I thought was pretty damn good for Sadio Mane. And then yeah, because he had one year left on his deal. And then, and then Minamino too, they got like fifteen or twenty mil for him. So yeah, he was a quick turnover, right? Was he only there a year or two? Uh, three, three years. Was he really that long? Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like they just signed him. Holy shit! Uh, City, obviously Holland, Calvin yeah, Phillips, right there, and Calvin uh, Phillips. Not officially, but officially, not officially. Officially, unofficial. Yeah. Very true, very true. Uh, United, Cavani gone, Mata gone, Pogba gone, Lingard gone, Matic gone. No one in. I mean, the wages right there alone, though, is like, um, is probably still, probably that's got to be a million, million a week right there. At least, yes. Pogba's half of it. Nuts, dude, absolutely nuts. Um, Newcastle, obviously Nick Pope, in my opinion, probably the biggest signing. Obviously, Burnley got relegated. He goes to the biggest uh, or the newest splash of cash, I guess, in the Premier League. Yeah. And they got Sven Botman as well, too, who's from a defensive standpoint. They needed that. That was a big signing for them, for Newcastle. How far do you guys think Newcastle can actually go this year, like real, like realistically? Because they, I, the second I, half of the I year, honestly think they're a dark horse team to finish in, like, the champion, not champions, excuse me, the conference league or like potentially even a Europa League spot. I think yeah, they're going to be, I think they I would, would be Europa that League. I would think they'd be that good. I like think seven's gonna, a success. I think you can expect eight or nine as, as kind of the target. Seven's overachieving. Because think about the big six ahead of them. They're not there yet. Plus to, Wolves. To yeah. But they're, they're going to make a splash. They will. Yeah. It's tough to, it's tough to say. I mean, like, Ashton Villa, big bunch of big signs. We thought maybe they'd be dark horses, kind of not say tanked, but they had a very underwhelming season. And quite a other few names like West Ham trying to push for Champions League didn't do that. So I'm excited to see him though. Nottingham Forest, um, you guys got anything on that one? I, I honestly don't know the names that they signed in. No, no. Moving on. Southampton, again, nothing really crazy with that one. Tottenham. Did some pretty good business so far. Obviously, we named Basumia before. Um, Parasic, he was on a free? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's a cra- cra- crazy transfer for them. Absolutely great for them. And then uh, lost Cameron Carter-Vickers to Celtic. I think that was a great transfer for both uh, club and team, though, at the same time. Essentially, it was, again, officially unofficial, confirmed today. Richarlison coming in. And then also Longley, Clement Longley from Barcelona on loan. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. Yeah. Ooh, everything's gonna get relegated now. Like seriously relegated. <laughs> He's one of the reasons they stayed up. That's nuts. Uh West Ham. Alfonso Ariola is good for them. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the only thing I could see. Mark Noble leaving is not great. Um and Andre Yarmolenko going is obviously not a crazy blow because he hasn't been, you know, fantastic for them, but he's still a great player and you don't want to see that happen. Yeah, he was never like I feel like when he played, he was only felt like a pool kind of when he played and like if it was a big game, like that dude showed up, but like he just never Yeah, he wasn't consistent enough for them. 
They're also linked on a side note too to Don Juma, striker for Villarreal. I think he'd be a. We talked about this I think earlier this year. He could be a good fill in for Antonio in the down the line. Fits that play style well. So they they need someone after him though because they, they really don't have. I mean. Bowen as striker, I don't know how realistic and long term that might be. More of a kind of like a midfield slash winger guy kind of guy, mm-hmm. but they do need the uh, Antonio replacement very soon. And then Wolverhampton, they basically just had a bunch of releases and loans, pretty much, and not not to my knowledge anything that's really been in. Has anyone linked to them specifically? Not that I've, that I've seen. I've... So that's pretty much it for the most of the transfer business. Who do you think has done the best so far? In my opinion, I feel like, I mean, obviously, Man City. Would, Holland basically trumps all, but I feel like Liverpool is doing their best to at least keep pace. Two young guys in Cavallo and Nunez. It's a good good little core right there. Yeah, I think Liverpool have done good business this summer. I think Newcastle so far have done really good business this summer. Villa. Bella. Villa. And then, biasly, I'm going to – I or I guess unbiasedly, if you look at it, outside of – uh, the Holland transfer. I do think Spurs getting, especially Paris, John Free and Basuma in for under like 30 mil, essentially for those two players. I think that's just absolute steals. So yeah, I actually think Arsenal might be for me, one of the top pieces of transfer business this year. Um, Fabio from Porto is, is he cooked it last year. Um, he was just unbelievable. And bringing in Marquinhos was a good pickup for them as well. Um, excited to see how, how he fares with that, the, that new Brazilian connection. And if it's believed with Gabriel Jesus coming in, et cetera, I think they've done a lot of really good business. I think Arsenal could end up for me being the best transfer business of the year, depending on their outbounds. If they're all able to offload players like Nicolas Pepe. Do you think off the they... wage do you think they've done enough to get into the top four now? Because obviously they had a massive push and then collapsed near the end. Uh, I think it's going to depend on what ends up happening with Chelsea. Um, you think Chelsea? I was moving to the next yeah, question. Do you think Chelsea maintains top four? That's questionable I, this year. I mean, the two the two clubs that obviously are most worrisome in the Premier League in terms of movement, um, especially because of the targets they expect to hit, are Chelsea and Manchester United at the moment. Um, basically, no moves in and just a lot of high profile name moves out, especially some great players like Antonio Rubio, Nemajimatic, uh, Popova, et cetera. Um, I think if it proceeds the way it's going right now, then yes, Arsenal have a very good shot at top four and not making it would actually be considered a failure for me at that point. But if Chelsea and Manchester United go out and start flexing those financial muscles and bring in players to play alongside Cristiano Ronaldo um, and Nicole Conte and whatnot, then it's a whole different story. So I think time will tell, but as it stands, current current uh, landscape, yes, they should be shooting for it. They should be shooting for top three, honestly, because outside of City and Liverpool, I think three and four are 100% completely open for grabs. Wide open, honestly. Wide open. I, I, I thought it was going to be wide open last year for the fourth spot. I think it's even more so every, up for grabs this year, given the moves and, and the way things have unfolded over the last year. Well, the four, yeah, the four spot was pretty wide open for the most part, too. I mean, obviously, you saw Arsenal and Spurs kind of pulling away towards the end. But, I mean, Man U, granted, the season that they had was dreadful, but they were still in it for a very long period of time. West Ham wasn't going away yeah. um, until they kind of just fell off a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's impossible to predict it at this point. It's nuts. I think this I think this year's going to be more wide open. And it's kind of crazy to say there's, just, there were so many storylines towards the end of the year last year that. Can we just like, go ahead and give the Premier League like six Champions League spots already? <laughs> like 
They're essentially getting five. <laughs> so, yeah. Very true. Very true. Oh, because of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, starting next year, not this year coming up. Yeah. yeah. That's up pretty much all I got, boys. Is there anything else you want to touch upon real quick? Yeah, let me ask you guys something. What's the number one signing that a team can make right now? Who's, who's, who's on your list as the number one guy available on the market? Um, like free agent, or do you mean like who's being actively – Not actually pursued, just play, players that can be considered unsettled, that you know that maybe we're, maybe we're on the transfer, the transfer mill given the club situation. Like who, who's one guy – that is the hot commodity at the moment. Like, think of it about it like Neymar reportedly being unsettled at PSG. Oh, easy. I, 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 wouldn't want, I wouldn't want Neymar, though. I, as much as I love Neymar as a player, no, of course. he's like, I don't know if I'd want him on the team. But think about it like John Lewandowski. Sorry, Steve, go ahead. I said John Brooks to Leeds. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, Lewa definitely, if he's, if he, if he is, um, on his wits end with Byron, hundred percent has to be him. Even at what? 32 years old. He's still top two striker in the world. If not one. Yep. Yeah. Lewandowski's up there. Um, I think for certain teams, Paulo Dybala, assuming he doesn't go to enter. That's what I was thinking. I think Dybala is an absolute game changer and what he's on, he's on. So I, I think he's got to be up there. That was going to be my pick too for free. I yeah, think he's and, and not having like really. I mean, he's been linked to Inter, right? So, but Lewandowski said he only wants to go to Bayern, so I kind of took him off my list. But I think Paulo Dybala is a, a, a player that almost every single club should be looking at at this point. Yeah, there's no reason not to if you can afford him and have the space. I mean, you're only paying for his wages. He's a game changer, absolute yep. game changer. Whatever happened with the uh, Erickson news? I feel like it just it like got built up so big and just died off. What's United up? Was, United was coming in for him, apparently. It was between them, Brentford, and I thought Spurs, right? Yeah. So Spurs, Spurs. Spurs apparently are kind of like pulling out a little bit because, which is, you know, it's whatever Conte wants, I guess. But they're, they have the offer on the table, but they're not like actively, supposedly pursuing it as hard. So I guess they're focused on other targets. If I'm Christian Erickson, number one spot. Dortmund. He Dortmund would be a very interesting move. I mean, no Holland there to feed anymore, obviously, but I think that could be a good signing for them. It's possible, very possible. I think he probably fit over. The, did did Eric play for Conte over in Syria though, or no? He did. Yeah, he won the Syria with him. So I, I, him, I honestly, okay. yeah, I, I, I honestly sure. think the best move for him is to go back to Spurs, but I just don't think he'd want to do that at this point in his career, to be frank. Uh, Newcastle apparently made an offer for him today. No, yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> they also offered to buy the other 19 teams in the Premier League. So <laughs> <laughs> guarantee it's title. I like We're making it. our own like Super it. League. <laughs> I'm a fan of it. I like it. But uh, yeah, boys, I'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, United States men's national team, and the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito, signing off.